Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast name coming shortly. I'm Kenneth Arthur and with me, JB Scott. Again, we're going to be coming to you every week to talk about the 2022 Los Angeles Rams into 2023. As a matter of fact, JB, do you think you could ever say that about a football league, no matter how long the schedule gets that it's going to be like the NBA and be 2022 slash dash 2023. It's a long off season. I'll be the last person to complain about having too much football. So the longer, the better baby. <laughs> so that that's a fair explanation. 2022 23 is the league year. So there you go. That's what we wanted to get out there today. Thanks for tuning in turf show times. Make sure to hit subscribe and we'll see you next week. Maybe before we go, we'll talk about the Rams, though. And I would start along the lines of the Rams playing a preseason games this weekend. JB, what do you know about the expectations here with starters and people playing? We know that Sean McVay has as much reason as any head coach in the league to believe that sitting as starters in the preseason does not prevent you from winning a Super Bowl. So what should we expect this Saturday? Yeah, I mean, any starters and even borderline starters probably will be on the sidelines. So that is, of course, Matthew Stafford and likely extended to John Wolford, who did not participate in the preseason last year. So we're going to see a lot of Bryce Perkins and probably a lot of Luis Perez. So that's going to be exciting. I think we probably have a better feel on defense of who's going to play versus offense. But Sean McVay did mention Tutu Atwell will be out there. And it's going to be interesting to watch because he's really developed a chemistry with John Wolford in practice. Haven't really heard that same chemistry with Bryce Perkins, but that's who's going to be on the field together. And we'll see if they can push the ball down the field and we have some deep connections and kind of prove that what we're seeing in practice is really carrying over to the field against, you know, competition outside of your own locker room. So that'll be interesting to watch. But yeah, on defense, sounds like in the defensive backs, we have a pretty good idea of who's not going to play. So David Long Jr., Jalen Ramsey, of course, Troy Hill, um, Robert Rochelle will play. Jordan Fuller will not play. Nick Scott, Taylor Rapp won't play. So we're getting a good look at the rookies, Jacoby Durant and Darion Kendrick as well. So it's going to be pretty exciting. It's our first look at a lot of these guys, and uh, we're going to kind of a peek into what the future might hold with them. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect to sitting your starters is that when you're not using the starting quarterback and you're trying to evaluate the offensive players around the quarterback position, it's trying to, it's kind of interesting that you're not able to exactly evaluate them in the way that they would be utilized in an offense run by Matthew Stafford or even an offense run by John Wolford. It's going to be a different offense curtailed, curtailed, uh, curtailed and tailored. I think that that should be a word, but uh, towards Bryce Perkins and what Perkins can do. And, you know, that seems that that leads to maybe better preseason games for Bryce Perkins um, by putting things to his strengths and, and looking away from his weaknesses. But that isn't interesting to think about how it impacts the other players trying to make the team or trying to get certain roles on the team. And in Tutu Atwell's case, it makes a lot of sense for Sean McVay to put him out there and to give get his feet wet because he had so few opportunities as a rookie. And so there's that aspect to it. I would imagine JB that we may see a lot of plays designed or, you know, whatever plays are designed for Tutu Atwell to be high percentage passing plays 
that give Tutu Atwell an opportunity to have the ball in his hands. Like it could be just right off the bat, a jet sweep, something in the handoff variety, just to make sure that Tutu Atwell is getting the ball, not having to worry about everything else involved with, you know, playing football, just being like, here's the ball, show us your speed or whatever, and just get comfortable, you know, being on a field again. If not that, maybe followed by something along the lines of, you know, a very easy behind the line of scrimmage pass, a very quick dump off, you know, anything that is going to just say like, here's a 90% completion passing play, even if it doesn't get us more than a couple yards, uh, what, where would you expect in terms of utilizing Tutu Atwell and getting Tutu Atwell involved in the game plan here with Bryce Perkins this Saturday? I absolutely agree with you. I think if you're going to put Tutu Atwell on the field, you're going to want to get a look at what he can do and see if some of that, what he's putting on the practice field translates over to other competitions. So one thing I will say is that he's working with Bryce Perkins. We didn't see Bryce Perkins push the ball down the field at all last preseason. So I, I'm not really sure that that's something in his toolkit. Um, he might prove us wrong here pretty soon. But whenever you're watching those Tutu Atwell targets, especially the ones down the field, ask yourself, is it really a quality target? Is he really having a fair opportunity to catch the ball and make a play on the ball? Um, or does he really have to come back for it? Is he waiting on the ball? Things like that. Just because whenever he's in the first team offense with either, you know, Matthew Stafford, maybe even John Wolford, you don't have those concerns. So if he's not getting a handoff as a jet sweep or a screen, like you mentioned, and they're pushing the ball down the field, you really got to ask yourself if it's a fair opportunity for him to make a play on the ball, uh, just because we're trying to make these judgments of where they're at. And if he can be the wide receiver number three, with Van Jefferson recovering from injury. And it might not be a fair look at what he's operating with with Matthew Stafford and what he might do in the regular season, of course. I would also put this prediction out there, which is say Tutu Atwell gets five touches in this game. I wouldn't be that surprised. That's it. That's the end of Tutu Atwell's preseason. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Sean McVay is giving this uh, uh, this opportunity to get his feet wet. But as soon as he sees like that flash or something along the lines of, I really need this guy this year. I really want this guy this year. And we know that with Van Jefferson out, that's even more critical at this time of the year in the beginning of the season. And maybe he pulls him out there because I feel like sometimes McVay does give guys an opportunity to play in that week one game and then take them out two and three or, you know, back when there was a four, but really just uh, giving them an opportunity to do something. So I, what do you think? I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there are a couple guys in this game who, you know, just do enough to be like, okay, we know for sure though, that we need these guys. And maybe this is their last preseason game. I think Robert Rochelle's probably in that same boat. Uh, he's David Long Jr. Might be slightly ahead of him in that competition for the starting role at corner, but Robert Rochelle, he has that elite athletic ability. He has that big frame. You're going to need him against some of these big receivers like DK Metcalf or some at some point this season. So get a good look at him, see how he's developed into year two, and then get them the heck off the field and keep him healthy for the regular season. You're going to need him against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, I think. Yeah, good call, Robert Rochelle. Definitely a guy who I'm pretty high on. I, I, I have a I feel very optimistic about Robert Rochelle, and it's cornerback position is such a not just that there's not very many of them that are held in super high regard like Jalen Ramsey is, and maybe there's a, you know, eight guys behind him at the next tier or whatever, but 
there's also just it's a crazy injury attrition rate it feels like lately with the cornerback position and having those guys back there seeing more of Darian Kendrick and Jacoby Durant is going to be very encouraging if if they show signs of being reliable players and you know it's just so hard to tell in the rookie years and stuff like that because even with David Long Jr you know his road to even get to this point where he's competing to start has been what four years so it's um it's hard to really know how much Sean McVay is going to rely on those cornerbacks and you know even Robert Rochelle he was put into a position last year as a rookie earlier than many anticipated coming out of, you know, a small school, central Arkansas. And so for him to come out and, and get any playing time, but we also saw the injury concerns with him. So, you know, not wanting to risk Robert Rochelle for very long would make sense with Tutu Atwell. I noticed there is, this is the point of greatest contention right now, I think on the team, which is there's so much hype building around Tutu Atwell, which all comes from, you know, media reports, but also Sean McVay's own words about Tutu Atwell and Robert Rochelle being standouts through all of the off season. That would seem to imply like these guys are going to get real opportunities on offense and defense. And then you have the media anytime Tutu Atwell makes a catch, it's the best catch of all time. And, you know, it's coming out there and it, there's those reports. And then you have a lot of people who were not happy with drafting a wide receiver in the second round last year, skeptical of Tutu Atwell, who, you know, a lot of uh, draft graders said was a reach by, you know, a couple of rounds. And that's just what draft graders say. I'm not saying that it's what I believe, but at the end of the day, that was sort of the talk about Tutu Atwell as a draft pick. and there's a lot of skepticism about, you know, a player of his size and, you know, not having anything done as a rookie on offense last year and then getting hurt. How do you feel about Tutu Atwell and the likelihood that the hype is real? Yeah, I think we might be you and me both big drivers of the Tutu Choo Choo train, right? So the hype train. And I think we've saw this coming. We saw this breakout coming and it's exciting to watch unfold. Hopefully he can sustain it into the regular season. But if you flash back to last preseason with Bryce Perkins, you know, they started that game against the Denver Broncos and the Broncos played their starters and they're going against, you know, the first string defense for the Broncos. Tutu Atwell got a ton of targets and he was one of the most targeted receivers in all the preseason last year. So um, I don't think we'll necessarily see that this year. You want to keep him healthy. You want to keep him fresh, but it was pretty promising to see him get that work and cornerbacks really honored his speed. You know, they gave him a lot of cushion so they couldn't, so, so he wouldn't beat him over the top. And then he was breaking his routes off short and they were wide open. And I think if you see any hint of that in the regular season, especially whenever you can toy with defenders and add in Cooper cup and Allen Robinson into the fold, uh, the possibility is really endless. And he just, he adds a dynamic to the offense. That we haven't seen in a long time for the Rams, even maybe more of a speed element than Brandon Cooks had back in the day. So we know Sean McVay really values these traits in a wide receiver. That's why you bring in someone like Deshaun Jackson last year, even though there weren't a lot of opportunities for him. It didn't really shake out the way that they hoped. But um, we, Sean McVay has a plan. He sees something in Tutu Atwell or that type of receiver that he really feels he can utilize. And it's just going to make Cooper Cup and Al Robinson's job that much easier, I believe. And I would also say... Matthew Stafford, 601 pass attempts last year. Cooper Cup had 191 targets. 
we could probably reasonably expect that to come down this season. We also know that Allen Robinson is going to come in and take a lot of targets himself after not being on the team last year, but still 69 targets to Robert Woods, 48 targets to Odell Beckham Jr., 15 targets to Deshaun Jackson, 33 targets to Sony Michelle. Those are a lot of uh, extra passes to go around and 89 target targets for Van Jefferson, second most on the team status in jeopardy for the beginning of the season status was in jeopardy when the Rams went out there and, and drafted Tutu Atwell and signed Allen Robinson and said, we still need more wide receiver help after getting Van Jefferson, you know, so all those things combined, even if Tutu Atwell gets 50 or 40 targets this season, you know, could be very exciting. Those plays that get pretty high percentage plays. We know that with the offense that Sean McVay runs and having the advantage of Matthew Stafford there for as long as he can be there, it is pretty, I think the, the safer play to say that Tutu Atwell is going to have those fan favorite moments. And as a young recent second round pick, going to build up a, a pretty good fan base here because the, there's just going to be exciting plays called for him. So as long as he executes, you know, that'll be his step there towards becoming a fan favorite. And maybe the narrative changes a lot by next year. However, I do uh, want to ask you about one of that one part of that equation, which is 601 passes by Matthew Stafford. How concerned are you at this point about Matthew Stafford's ability to hold up over 17 games? Yeah, McVay's talked about that as being a problem, really, the Rams inherited from his days in Detroit. So it makes you wonder, with all these bad head coaches Matthew Stafford spent time with over the years, whether they truly managed his workload in a way that was fair to him. Maybe they really asked him to throw a lot of passes and, and practices and such, and that took a toll on him just over the course of his career. And now that he's with the responsible team, a, you know, medically savvy team like the Rams who have all these developments in sports science, you wonder that, you know, they're just trying to be fair to him and they're trying to monitor this and prolong his career as much as they can. I don't think it means much for 2022 because he was dealing with the same thing in 2021, but really he was learning the offense. He was trying to onboard in the Sean McVay scheme and he didn't have the luxury of resting him. You had to have him out there and he had to develop this chemistry with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson. And now that he won the Super Bowl and it was a long, long season, the longest season in NFL history, you can just take a step back and just prepare your body for the for the long haul again in 2022 and you have the luxury with the ring on your finger that if things don't work out eh, well you got it done last year but that's definitely not how Sean McVay and the Rams feel but ever being practical about it I'm sure it's in the back of their minds a little bit so in order to keep Matthew Stafford healthy as long as possible one thing that'll help of course is the offensive line you know so getting into this preseason opener against the Chargers and also the players that we will see and the ones that we won't Obviously, I think uh, the offensive line will be protected throughout the preseason, uh, but we also aren't completely aware yet of uh, who, you know, all five of those players will be. And we also know that in the Rams case, almost at the beginning of every season, someone has to be replaced, you know, and there's a change on the offensive line. So depth is incredibly important. You know, there, there's been interesting developments on the offensive line from the very beginning of training camp uh, when, you know, it became apparent that Coleman Shelton was in the lead to be the right guard. And also, you know, this is the first year for Joseph Noboom to go in and be the left tackle, which is, it's not just the, you know, 
this idea of what's the most important position and everything after quarterback and the way that you rank that. It's not just about that. It's also just, you know, the, the person who embodies those positions has to live up to the hype that comes with them. You know, it's why you see wide receivers who some of them, when they get to the highest levels, you know, they're so exuberant and flashy and, you know, they make the big play, they let it be known, you know, there's a confidence, a cockiness, and it permeates through the whole team because so many people are looking to you, whether it's the fans or your teammates and, or the other team, you know, they're, everybody's looking at the wide receiver. Everybody's looking at the sack artist. You know, when Aaron Donald plays, he has to have a ton of confidence because everyone's expecting him to be good every week. So what are your thoughts on Joseph Noboom embodying left tackle? Because, you know, he's taking over for a guy who just walks the walk and talk, you know, and, and just had did that for what, 17, 16, 17 years and just consistently had this incredible leadership presence and this, uh, you know, this, this confidence that never was deterred, even with all the years he played in the, with the Bengals, uh, just always had that confidence. Um, what are your thoughts on Joseph Nopum as the left tackle of the Rams? Yeah, it's just interesting to hear your thoughts on that because one of the things I think that separates Andrew Whitworth, maybe from the heir apparent and Joseph Nopum is that he was such a great communicator and he was such a great lo locker room leader. So you see him on Colin Kaepernick's show. He's going to be one of the analysts for the preseason game this weekend and throughout the preseason. So it just shows that, you know, he was so well-respected in that locker room. He's such a great communicator. And, you know, Joseph Noboom's a little bit on the quiet side. So even if the on-field product is the same, you're still getting a drop-off a little bit in the off-the-field and in the locker room. Maybe Rob Havenstein is more of the person who steps up in that regard. But, yeah, it's big shoes to fill for Joseph Noboom. The Rams have been have seen him for, you know, four years or so, and they've been developing him behind the scenes. So they, he's a commodity that they should have comfort with and familiarity with, and they re reward him with a big deal. And, you know, they should know what they have in him and that he's ready for the for this next step forward. It's funny. It makes me think about just what the 49ers did in trading for Trent Williams, you know, because where would the 49ers be now? Where would they have been the last couple of years, if not making that very bold move to go out there and get a left tackle? And we see that left tackles get traded for multiple first round picks sometimes. And I just think about, you know, the fact that Orlando Brown doesn't want to, isn't happy with his contract with the Chiefs and whether or not he will you know, uh, eventually get his way and get a trade. And then some team comes up there and pays him. You know, I wonder if, if Orlando Brown will be up at that Trent Williams level, probably not at that Trent Williams level, but if you're the Rams, I mean, are you ever really stopping and thinking, okay, we're the Rams. We trade first round picks. We pay players. We don't, we'll do what it takes. You've got all these other pieces on offense do you think that you could still see the team maybe in 2023 say we, we need to make a change at left tackle? I mean, possibly. And I don't think his contract is insurmountable to where you can't move him, but in the modern NFL, now that we're taking into account all these advanced analytics, really, you just want to creep back to average on the offensive line. And it does, it's not really that great of an incremental benefit to have an elite offensive line, maybe on the margins in some way it is, but if you can just withstand the pass rush of even some of the better units, you put your passing offense in a great spot to be productive. And, you know, the Rams aren't looking to make huge investments financially on the offensive line. They can't invest as premium draft capital 
to acquire some of these players. So in a certain way, you're just trying to find out what's the bare minimum that you can put in to get by and protect Matthew Stafford into these the elderly years of his career. But I think Joseph Nobum is, is symbolic of that in some ways where, yeah, you could go get another Andrew Whitworth, maybe replace him with a Orlando Brown or something like that. But maybe if you can do it more on the, the more affordable side and you can keep around for a long time, develop them in-house. The same with David Edwards and Brian Allen. Uh, you know, Coleman Shelton, Coleman Shelton is not only under contract this year, but next. So, and you have Logan Bruss coming up, who's on a rookie deal for, deal for the next four years. Um, it could be a cheap offensive line, and that's a big competitive advantage for the Rams moving forward. I think one thing I'm interested in on the offensive line is now that we see Coleman Shelton really moving ahead and that competition for right guard, what do you, what do you do with Logan Bruss? Do you kind of cross train him at left guard and right guard? Do you only prepare him and simplify things for that one position? And just in case he has to step in for Coleman Shelton at some point, or if something happens to David Edwards, does the team elect to instead move Coleman Shelton to the left guard and Logan Bruss stays at right guard? I think that's going to be interesting. We'll see how much play he gets in the preseason. Um, I just think it's a – the unofficial depth chart came out today. Coleman Shelton is apparently in the forefront of that. He's been that way since the start of training camp. And I'm just – I'm interested to see what the team's plan is for Logan Bruss this year. Was there uh, any insight into Bobby Evans' place at this point? Do you think that uh, that's a player who will be able to make the roster at this point? Yeah, so Bobby Evans was omitted from the team's unofficial depth chart. Interestingly enough, so Trayvon Howard, I believe, was also admitted, as well as Van Jefferson. So players that are reportedly dealing with injuries, I don't think we're aware of anything with Bobby Evans, but that's really the only thing you can come up with is why he was left off this unofficial depth chart. Because um, there's holes on the, there's room for depth on this offensive line, of course, right? And he, as a former third round pick, he could play an important role in that, but might not be in the cards for 2022. He might be the odd man out. I've uh, made mistakes with my mute button today. Okay, so there is a, uh, it's really uh, with the Bobby Evans situation, it's really just so interesting that, you know, this is one of those cases where maybe the patients didn't pay off, but, it, you know, there are so many other ca cases on the Rams of the patients at least paying off into, you know, a year of average play as a starter or, you know, a couple years of, serviceable play as a starter and in this case it seems like it never really got to that point with Bobby Evans and now three years later the team drafts Logan Bruss maybe a guy who you know came in and, and got ahead of Bobby Evans on the depth chart right away but how much those guys play like you say and how that affects the offense moving forward because I it's just going to be so difficult to get through a season with the same five starting offensive linemen so these other guys like Arcuri and Ankrum uh, we know are so close to getting out there Chandler Brewer in yet another training camp and AJ Jackson. So lots of uh, names there that could be in play this season for the Rams. We also had the return of Kyron Williams. Is he, do you think expected to get any playing time on Saturday? Saturday might be a little ambitious considering he just came back this week, but when he came off the pup list, the physically enabled to perform list, he really jumped straight into action and practice. So maybe it's in the cards for him. I don't know. I would say probably bet more on the Texans game 
or the joint practices in the preseason game against the Bengals, the third one. So um, we can't expect K-Makers or Daryl Henderson to play. We might see a lot of Jake Funk, or he might be in that Robert Rochelle, Tutu Atwell type of mold where he's only going to get limited run and they're going to put him back on the sidelines because he's an important special teams contributor. And we saw Akers and Henderson have injury history and he, you might need him at some point this year. So yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of Kyron Williams. I think he's a pretty limited athlete. Yeah. He might be in that, that James white type of player where he's a, he's a high volume receiving back. And that could be important in the Sean McVay offense, especially whenever you're trying to push the ball down the field, this offensive line might not hold up. You might need, you know, an easy check down or a, an outlet for Matthew Stafford just to maintain that health over the rest of his career. So Kyron Williams might be able to carve out a role in that regard, but um, I don't think you're ever going to see him turn into a fully capable starting running back workhorse type player. Um, but that's really getting fewer and fewer by the years in this modern NFL, of course. Yeah. And, you know, you, you bring up an interesting point and an interesting position as well, because with, these this time of year, you know, it's hard not to get wrapped up in all the storylines that come out of training camp for the first two to three weeks. And yet at the end of those two to three weeks, you know, there's so many aspects of football that haven't even been put into play yet, not just including, you know, the competition situation of a game, whether it's an exhibition game with backups or not. And one of the other aspects to it is just you can't really go out there and have a running back play running back in practice or a line, you know, you can't tell a linebacker destroy Kyron Williams. If you got to, you know, so there aren't the ta there isn't the tackling, there isn't uh, all these other aspects to the game and it changes the way that people play the way they can play. And then now you've got such an over coverage of training camp, such a desire to have that big piece of news. You know, everybody wants to have that big piece of news, like, Oh, John Wolford went 10 of 10 in training camp today, but it's like, these are practice reps. They're not real reps. And so it's easy to get overexcited and to think, you know, but I, it's also what happens. And sometimes the, the noise is real, you know, so there's, there's that point of it, but really until any of these players like Jake Funk, it just makes me think about how Jake Funk, we don't hear anything about Jake Funk. Well, we don't have to hear anything about any running backs or really any offensive linemen. So, cause it's like, they're not doing real football yet. So there's so many aspects to this, where this Saturday against the chargers, you know, we'll be able to watch a game where when Jake Funk gets a carry, like he's really out there trying to gain yards, protect his body, you know, get out there and, you know, make a play. Whereas in practice, he's told, Hey, go here, do that, do this, just do it correctly. You know, it's like, there's this whole other aspect to it. What is, you know, that thing on Saturday that you think you'll be watching the most for speaking in game wise, like what are the, what is something that you're excited to see um, as a football, you know, play, but without the, you know, knowing that it's not necessarily going to be indicative of how the Rams play this season. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Perkins is a pretty exciting player to watch a quarterback. He made a name for himself last year. You bring in Luis Perez, and in some ways, that really raises the bar. He has to be head and shoulders better than Luis Perez in order to keep a spot on this roster for the regular season in 2022. And it's completely meaningless football. It's an exhibition game. But, you know, it's always all eyes on the quarterback because maybe you can – flip him for draft capital later. Maybe someone is gets real desperate for a quarterback at some point this season and they have their eyes on Perkins. Maybe someone out this Sean McVay coaching tree. That's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm also excited to see Jake Funk just because I think he's a really great athlete. And that's going to be the difference between him and Kyron Williams is he's an explosive, fast player. 
and you might be able to see him explode onto the scene. But And then I guess number three, of course, is this defensive back room. They're so young. The rookies have had such a promising start to training camp. It'd be a big boost for the Rams if they can you know, have these young players contribute so early in their careers, especially, you know, Troy Hill's getting older. He's 30 years old. David Long Jr. goes into a contract year. So you might start building this secondary for the future. And if you're getting, you know, contributions from these guys so early on in their careers, that's, that's, it's hard to be upset about that, of course. Yeah. And one of the things that I think uh, is unfortunate is that we won't be able to see Jacob Harris this week as a wide receiver. That could have been one of the more interesting storylines to watch in the preseason was Jacob Harris just going out there and playing some wide receiver and getting back to his very shallow roots as an as a football uh, wide receiver. Not that they you know didn't go much deeper than his tight end roots, but to get him to be out there and he won't be out there because he's recovering from an injury but there are also going to be a handful of players who may be familiar or unfamiliar to Rams fans at wide receiver this weekend, JJ Koski in his third season, Warren Jackson and Landon Akers and Brandon Powell. They're in their second seasons. Powell joining the, the group later than the rest. And Lance, Lance McCutcheon is a undrafted free agent rookie. And the team recently signed Austin Trammell, an undrafted free agent last year, who was with the Falcons, who I find very interesting, even though I don't think that any of these guys are uh, going to make the roster except for maybe Brandon Powell and not as a wide receiver. But then you get into these situations where other than Tutu Atwell and Ben Skournick, lots of wide receivers out there, lots of guys getting, and this is again where you have to caution yourself against getting too hopeful based on, on preseason play because you can have a J.J. Koski go out there and just kill it every week, but it, it's in this preseason uh, situation, not just against, uh, not just based on the guys that he's going up against, but just also who the quarterback is playing a role that is not available on the Rams. You know, it's not like the Rams are in a position to take out Cooper Cup from the slot or Allen Robinson or even you know, Van Jefferson, when it was Van Jefferson, or if it is continued, it does continue to be Van Jefferson, you know, any wide receiver that sticks out to you as far as guys who can maybe get a few targets this weekend, other than the ones that we've talked about. Yeah. It's tough to see Jacob Harris go down with injury just because he really wasn't having that great of a start to training camp. It really seemed like maybe he was another year away from making any meaningful contributions. So the top five is truly settled. You know, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, Tutswatwell, and Ben Skoranek. And it's a big drop-off after those guys. And if you're going to keep someone around, they have to have a role in special teams because, you know, they're just not as polished receivers and they don't fit in that prototypical Rams receiver mold. J.J. Koski bounced around from the pack squad to the, you know, the regular roster some parts last year. So we know I think he had a muff punt or something that really was that hurt the team in a big way. And we didn't see much of him after that. So he might be able to carve out a role in another offense or another team. But after that five, aside from special teams, I'm not sure anyone's going to have any meaningful snaps on offense. I know that's kind of a Debbie Downer way to look at it. This is the time of preseason where we get really hyped up on these things. But if we're being realistic, there's just not much of a role left after those top five. You wrote in your depth chart reviews, four takeaways for the depth chart you wrote about, Taylor Rapp is a surprise over Jordan Fuller. Nobody was taking Jordan Fuller down their depth charts, but you did mention that this could be related to his injury from last season. 
do you think that there's a chance that Jordan Fuller is a healthy backup, you know, that he comes to that point where he's just not starting because he's not starting? Well, the team since revised their unofficial, official, unofficial depth chart on their website, I guess. And the strong safety position now says Taylor Rapp or Jordan Fuller. So I guess they're co-starters of some sort. And yeah, Jordan <laughs> Fuller is working his way back from injury. You can't read. You got to take all this with a grain of salt. You got to be skeptical about what these things say. They're coming from the PR communications realm of the team, not the coaching staff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good for Taylor Rapp. He was, we're kind of down on him coming to training camp, right? And if he's able to, you know, kind of rebound and carve out a role on the starting defense, especially in the pass coverage, good for him. And he's going into a contract year too. So maybe he's in for a big payday and he, he's in for a prove it year. So if that's truly the case, it's hard to feel bad for him. You know, it's exciting. And we're also going to have our eyes on the edge rushers this Saturday because outside of Leonard Floyd, uh, there isn't really any. And, you know, even in the case of Justin Hollins, who, you know, I don't know if in my playbook, you know, Justin Hollins is a guy that, you know, you take out of preseason game. Cause he, this is the same, same thing where it's like Sean McVay, not playing Kenny young or Troy reader, you know, or, and trading the, uh, excuse me, treating these players uh, in the preseason last year, like they were on the same level as Aaron Donald and then later trading them, you know, it's, it's like Micah Kaiser or any of these players who you just feel, I mean, I guess you don't really need to, you're not going to gain a bunch of information by putting them there in a preseason game. You'd rather just know like, Hey, as a veteran, we'll give these snaps to maybe some younger guys, but for someone like Terrell Lewis or Chris Garrett or Daniel Hardy, they all need to prove something, you know, they, they, they need to show that they are going to be NFL players. And, and, and this is also a position that surprisingly the Rams haven't invested in, you know, seventh round picks to me are not draft picks i mean not in the sense that like i'm disrespecting i guess that was pretty disrespectful but in the sense that it, the difference between a seventh round and an undrafted free agent you know i also don't want to un disrespect undrafted free agents because a lot of them make the nfl and sometimes more than seventh rounders so you know the, the rams haven't invested in this position almost at all other than leonard floyd and then making a trade to rent von miller does that surprise you at all it does. And I'm not convinced that they're, this is a finished product for the team reportedly. Um, you know, Chris Garrett's dealing with his groin injury. He's pretty much ruled out for Saturday night's game. Uh, Justin Hollins, Terrell Lewis, and Leonard Floyd also won't play. So you're going to be seeing a lot of Daniel Hardy, the seventh round draft pick, and Benton, Benton Whitley, who comes with that same mold as Daniel Hardy, a really great athlete, really fast twitch athlete on that edge rusher position. So you're going to be seeing a lot of those guys. I'm interested to watch Hardy on special teams as much as defense, just because you know he might have a role as a gunner or you know important you know tackling down the field type of role for the Rams, just giving his his high level of athleticism. So, um, if you're looking for answers at the edge rush position, you're probably not going to get it from the preseason, and you know you also might not get answers in the regular season because I wouldn't be surprised for the Rams to add you know an elite level talent to just to just to harass this tough quarterback schedule, which you wrote about this week, right? And the Rams mm -hmm. are going to play the best of the best, and you have to be able to get after them, not only from a coverage standpoint, but you got to harass them with pressure. And you might not have the answers to do that right now, and that's a concern. Yeah, you know, that is the price you pay sometimes for having a first-place schedule. And 
in the NFC, especially the cream of the crop quarterbacks rise to the top, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott. So if you finish in first place, Matthew Stafford, same case, finish in first place, you're going to get a schedule of difficult quarterbacks. And the other equation there is the AFC West getting pretty stacked at quarterback at all four teams. So the Rams are going to face a very difficult schedule. You know, that leads me to my last question or my last point here, JB, before we go, which is, you know, the Rams, if we're getting into this preseason talk, we're getting into now regular season talk, the closer we get, you know, with that top 20 list I made, you could just take that top 10 and go, yeah, of course, this is a team that's going to compete to win the Super Bowl. But if I had to make a top 30 and now we're comparing 10 to 30 on each roster, I'm starting to worry about the Rams depth. What are your thoughts on, you know, whether or not the, you know, the Rams are going to be, you know, in more trouble than another team, perhaps if they have to start going to these reserves, because it, it doesn't seem like there are, there's a lot of strength behind these very, very elite starters. It's a fair concern. I think of some positions more than others. And in some ways, I think, for example, the secondary, you come into training camp and you're not really sure how the depth chart's going to shake out. But now there's a ton of reasons to be optimistic and they seem so deep. But then maybe on the offensive line, you're expecting Bobby Evans, Tremaine Ingram to take a step forward. And we haven't heard from those guys at all. Um, you know, Alaric Jackson, who's an undrafted free agent from Iowa, is running against running ahead of Ingram and Evans at this point. That's pretty surprising considering the Rams, you know, it was a seventh round pick for Ingram. But, you know, that's a that's a third of premium draft pick that was spent on Evans. So I think wide receiver, you're really seeing the depth flourish. And maybe running back is a bit of a concern just because Akers and Henderson's injury history. You want to see a lot out of Jake Funk, uh, Kyron Williams. We know he's behind the eight ball dealing with that injury. It's probably a position where you can add a veteran relatively affordably and plug that hole in the short term. But yeah, there's every team has holes. I think the only significant hole in the Rams starting roster is edge rusher. But there's also reason. There's also a lot of talent behind that. You can kind of offset and get by in the short term. But um, yeah. Injuries are always going to test you. This is the NFL. It's a long season. And, you know, those the chinks in the armor are going to show themselves over time. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, and we'll start to see how the armor looks this Saturday against the L.A. Chargers versus the L.A. Rams, the preseason opener. This is Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur. With me, as always, J.B. Scott. Check out TurfShowTimes.com and follow Turf Show Times on Twitter at Turf Show Times. We'll have all the coverage of Rams Chargers this Saturday front back during later and before. So check out turfshowtimes.com.